Material Components Episode 17 Artisanal Nightmares Greetings and welcome to Material Components, the actual play RPG show all about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I am your humble dungeon master, Mike Gorgoni, and joining me as always are my stalwart adventurers. How's it going, adventurers? Good. It's going pretty good. Hello, it's good. Alrighty. Uh, hi, folks. I am Olivia. I'm going to be playing Tears of Cloakbearer, Child of the Outer Storm. Hey, I'm Elliot, and I will be playing Cherish Ironstrike, a tiefling sorcerer. Uh, my name is Michael, and I'm playing Sid, the half-elf rogue. Hey, I'm Reed, and I'll be playing Grawl, the hobgoblin warlock. Indeed. So, as always, I would like to ask you the question I ask just about every time, which is, do you remember what happened last time? Yes. Uh, assassins, uh, bounty hunters... All sorts of fun stuff, all at once. Horses. Yeah. All I wanted to do was leave town. Um, <laughs> we all wanted to leave everyone. town. <laughs> no, no, I know. it was just Sid wanted to leave town, and everyone else, for whatever reason, was like, <laughs> "Oh, we can't no, leave. We can't leave. This is our favorite town." Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we were attacked. Um, it was fun. Uh, Cheris got uh, grabbed by a net and dragged to the ground, which was cool. It was not cool for me, but... No. No, I would imagine so. Um, <laughs> and we just had gotten a big scuffle in the in the, in the an alley somewhere. It's true. Uh, it seems as though several factions all converged trying to get your purple tiefling friend. Seems as though the thought of drawing out your enemies is working swimmingly. Right. It's again we it's more that it's just happening because I'm purple. Yeah. No, it's it's all it's all tactics. <laughs> yeah. All it's tactics all, here. All intentional on our parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we're very crafty, very careful. Um, Clearly, vigorous head shaking. Mm -hmm. No. Which is why, <laughs> as soon as we hit level seven, I'm taking the second level spell, Alter Self, and I'm casting it on myself every hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we uh, defeated the assassin. Uh, had a bit of a standoff with the two bounty hunters. They're like, hey, we just want to go. And we're like, all right, fine, you can go. Um, yeah, and, it uh, seems as though the bounty hunters pretty quickly figured out. And that was the the blue dragonborn, Alakar, and mm -hmm. his human priestly clerical friend, Jasai, yeah. basically came to the decision that uh, we don't want no part of this. Y'all seem like way more trouble than it's worth. But yeah. Instead of giving us any helpful information, they just left. To be yeah. fair, your stance was definitely approaching the we're about to murder all of y'all. Well... You did throw a javelin at him twice. They missed both times. <laughs> that doesn't change. It hardly and counts. it's all intentional. It's all tactics. <laughs> that was a warning. 
<laughs> that was to show you do. what I could do. <laughs> and that exactly. was after you sh shot him full of lightning. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, right, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's fine. We're negotiators. Sure. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the day, though, you did part ways with those bounty hunters. Uh, where they are bound for, you don't know. And who hired them, you're not even sure. No, because they weren't sure. That's true. You did get a little bit of information in that they were just given a job, a name and a location. They weren't necessarily told who enacted said job. Right. As for the assassin, it's a little less clear. Yeah. Well, especially because one of us acided that assassin. <laughs> yep. And I any information that could have been investigation check. There are three other party members that can search this person's pockets. I was I mean, thinking about it, it like afterwards. Yeah. I was looking. I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was like, "Oh, Tirza has adv advantage on investigation." Oh. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. She is dumb, and so am I. And then everyone guilt-tripped me into, wow, there's a body just laying out here. Actually, it's two halves of a whole body. Um, yeah. Um, so I was like, I'll get rid of it. And then pan out. Yes. Well, before you dissolved the corpse, though, you did discover that the assassin in question was a strange, pale-skinned halfling from Parts Unknown. Who they were working for and what their true intentions are, you're still not 100% sure. Yeah. You did take several vials of poison off of the corpse, though. Or what you assumed to be poison. You're actually not sure. No one was ever actually shot with the, the blowgun, so you don't know what it will do. Just stabbed by his blades. I it's got true. shot by the blowgun. It killed me. Oh, yeah, it did. It killed me dead. You were dead on the ground. I forgot like, about that. Real dead. Yeah, and then the cleric. It's minor. Okay. You got better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was fine. All right. Walk it off. Never mind. You you do know for a fact that the poison is lethal. Yeah. yeah. It super <laughs> kills you. It's very lethal. Don't get crit by that shit. <laughs> it's true. Speak from experience on that. Leastways, after that whole fracas had died down, you did succeed in renting a few horses from a local druidic stable and after that you began your journey southward taking the road down towards wickmore's landing and the question i have for all of you right from the get-go is what is the name of that road we need to name I have some, some stuff options we could discuss one fun oh, thing yeah. here is world building so what's the name of this road y'all are wandering down so um i have shepherd's alley Shepherd's Alley. Ooh, that's good. Uh, the Sun Pass. Sun Pass. Uh, Acorn Road is kind of dumb, but I thought it was cute. Uh, and the Restless Walk. I'll say this much. I'm going to use the Sun Pass as the road between Wickmore's Landing that leads down into the Drylands, because I really like that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also, I also have Thundercloud Pass, which could be a cool like pass in the mountains somewhere, I think. Mm -hmm. It's closer to the Stormwall. Hell yeah. What was the first one? Uh, Shepherd's Alley. Shepherd's Alley. Hmm. I kind of like that one. 
Yeah, Shepherd's Alley, though the, the alley definitely implies a sort of a boxing scenario. And seeing That's as true. you have wide yeah. open grasslands to either side of the road. Yeah, I mean, we could switch that out for like, you know, Shepherd's Passage or... Shepherd's Pass. How about just the Shepherd's Road? Yeah. Sure. All right. So, you are all wandering down the Shepherd's Road. On either side of you, rolling grasslands stretch out in every direction. In the distance to the east, you can see a a smaller woodlands out in the center of these large fields. It is a bit of a tangled piece of woodland that is a, uh, a tiny mirror of the enormous east wood farther to the east. The road leads you really nowhere close to this forest, but you do see it as you meander southwards. About two days into this travel, you've been on the road undisturbed by monsters or other travelers. You're approaching the end of the first month of winter, and as such, the road travel this far north is very, very scarce. You can go for miles at a time without seeing another traveler. And in fact, on your second day of travel, you've been going all day and haven't seen a single living soul. The odd bird circles in the sky above you, but other than that, the only sound you hear is the clop of your horse's hooves on the firmly packed dirt road and the howl of the wind as it races over the plains. I guess this means that we are skipping into two days into the journey. Tirza has cast fine steed at this point and is riding... A cool reindeer. <laughs> I had assumed. Yeah. <laughs> As you had only rented three horses. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering about that. <clears throat> so here's a good Hello. question for you, Olivia, then. Mm-hmm. What is the name of your steed? Uh, I have it. Let's see. Let's see if I can find her name. Because you have conjured a celestial reindeer made of star stuff, and the very edges of it are slightly white with frost, and it slowly dissolves into a star field near its center. Nice. Uh, Its name is... uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this... Well, well, okay. Uh, It's your uh, word! I know. It's uh, Karenitis. Karenitis? Mm -hmm. That is K-E-R-Y-N-I... T-I-S. All right. Very good. That's after the the, uh, Cyrenian hind, which is the uh, stag that Hercules had to go fight. Nice. Nice. Hunt. (laughs) He didn't fight it. That's... (laughs) Got into a boxing match with a deer. I mean, it's Hercules. I mean, it's Hercules. I think it was like an arm wrestling match with a deer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we call it Carrie? You sure you can call it Carrie? Okay. Harry Carrie. So yes, as you travel along this second day, the day itself is getting shorter. The hours that are in the day are beginning to dwindle now that you're approaching the closer to the center of winter. As you reach the 28th day of the month of salt, you're all sort of contemplating the road that lies ahead and eventually the sun begins to set how far into darkness do you press before you set up camp 
probably when the sun is going down. Um, don't really want to set up camp in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly because Tirza can't see in the dark. <laughs> it certainly oh, yeah. doesn't I help. I can't. And also the horses probably can't either. No. Dangerous to travel on horseback at night. It's true. Yeah. So as you begin your camp preparations, we're going to... You manage to pick up enough supplies to get you down to Wickmore's Landing at the very least. Yeah. You also still have your tents that you picked up before you entered the Eastwood. Mm-hmm. So what does your camp preparation look like? What is your what is the basic campsite for this group of adventures look like? Um, do we want a fire pit? I mean, we should probably have one. Yeah, it yeah. is very At very least cold. To cook Pretty food. cold. Yeah, yeah. As much as I don't want to give away our location, we can like try to keep it low during the night. Yeah. Okay. Take the coals and put them in in the bottom of our sleeping bags. That sounds like a really bad idea, but you can go ahead. And oh do no, that. it's a great yeah, idea. You should, you should do it, Crawl. You should try yeah. it. Out. Wait, no, Sid, no, I think no, you I don't guys are sharing a tent. Not anymore. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't need a tent. He's got coals. <laughs> Keep it nice and toasty. So you've got your two tents. Are you basically setting them up on either side of the campfire to sort of block their the view of the fire? Um, yeah, or I was going to say to set them up in, I know that our audio listeners can't see, but in a sort of like triangle so that they're completely hidden for like a 180 degree ish Mm -hmm. field. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Excellent. I just want a basic idea of what your, your campsite looks like on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. For no malevolent reasons whatsoever. Mm. Yeah. 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 Obviously. I sleep with my sword. It's fine. I mean, <laughs> so do I. There's a good question, Grawl. How often do you dismiss your sword? Because as a, a Hexblade Warlock, and specifically Pact of the Blade, you can summon and unsummon your sword at will. Mm-hmm. But the image I have of Grawl definitely has the sword more often than not. Yeah, it's an intimidation factor. He just carries it. No, it, like he's got a thing on his back. Okay. It helps him carry his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't unsummon it. He'd like dismiss it uh, very often because um, he wants even to look cool. while sleeping in a small tent. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, so keep that in mind, um, Sid. No, but seriously, if anyone wants to switch tents, <laughs> I, no, I, I, I I swear I don't snore. Uh, <laughs> I don't talk in my sleep. Just please don't let me. Like I, please, please. <laughs> We can huddle for warmth, Sid. It's really I cold. I think you're you got uh, you got. Uh, I think your sword is taking up my half of the tent. I can so, split like, the the sleeping bag right down the middle. We'll put the sword between us. I mean, we have separate sleeping bags. It's a very big sword. Do you want? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Oh. No, but really, guys, I'm I'm not even joking. No. Please. We've already determined it's a very average size sword. <laughs> that was the pillow. With the pillow, there's a difference. <laughs> okay, fine. Fine. Okay, Grawl. If you poof your sword away, I will give you five gold so that there's room 
for me to stretch out <laughs> in this tent. Seven gold. Seven gold? I mm-hmm. I will do seven gold. Okay, cool. Great. Shake on it. Yeah. Sid, you're going to be broke by the end of this journey. <laughs> Are you sure you guys don't want to switch with me? Like, it's actually yeah. deceptive. The deal's already mm-hmm. been made. Oh, God damn it. It's <laughs> happening. You're so, yeah. an excellent negotiator. So yes, this is the this is the second night of your camping where you're beginning to deliberate the the wisdom of sleeping in the same tent as Grawl. <laughs> Seven gold. <laughs> Tirsa and Cherish are just having a grand time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Cherish, what you discover is that you now have a second bedroll. Right. Yes, I do. Second pack. As you reclaimed. Kalkin's gear that had been accidentally stolen by Grawl. So, it, it also begs the question, like, oh my, mom went all the way home without a bedroll. Yeah. Or, like, Cherish is a little less chipper than usual. I mean, especially after the whole, like, almost being kidnapped and killed, and actually being killed and then brought back to life. Um... You were unconscious. You weren't dead. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you um, were dying. Yes. Uh, but so she she is, like, definitely a little more subdued. And that's probably why she and Tears are having a really good time. <laughs> okay. So as darkness draws in on the second night, do you revert to your usual watch order? Um, yeah. Me first. It's, yeah, it's, is it Sid? Cherish, Cherish Tears a Girl. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. So, you all settle down for the evening. Sid, you're taking first watch. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the night, what do your characters dream about? Hmm. If at all. Yeah. Or do you have blissful, silent sleep with whatever dreams you have not disturbing your waking mind? Um, I think Sid has a dream where he's back in Stormhaven. A figure uh, off... Uh, in the distance, I mean, you can see it. You can see that it's like a adult male figure, and they're running over rooftops, mm. and he's chasing them, but he can't seem to catch them. That's kind of the majority of his dream. Okay. Yeah. Does this figure have like a very white complexion? It's it's very what like like hobgoblin shape. Oh, who's to say? Too <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hard to see. Tears of Cherish. Um, I think that Cherish has a dream that she's back in the bad forest. Um, the Eastwood. No, the oh. other bad forest. The char the charcoal <laughs> the pines. Char- the charcoal pines. Um, she's in the charcoal pines again, but it is like, like there's howling wind and there is snow everywhere 
and like there's a woman's voice like screaming in the distance but she can't figure out where it's coming from and she's very stressed out okay uh cherish or i'm so sorry tirza my character um tirza doesn't remember a lot of her dreams um she just remembers it being dark uh and the sound of rustling over leaves okay what feeling does she wake up with with what little she can remember of these dreams what's the because at least for me personally, I don't remember a lot of my dreams, but I can wake up with certain like feelings and emotions that are sort of echoes from whatever it is I experienced in my subconscious. So what is what what is evoked from that feeling that Tirza has? Um, that... It's like when you... Um... When you can't find something, but you can't quite remember what that thing was, mm. you're like, it's just the feeling of like, something is missing. You know you've forgotten something, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's not necessarily urgent, but it's... Nagging. There, yeah. Nagging. That's a good word. You need good to remember word. all. Yeah. What are Grawl's dreams like? Um, God, what are girls' dreams like? Horrifying, I'm sure. You don't know. It could be nothing but ice cream and (laughs) ponies and stuff. Like, whatever. Um, No, I think think, uh, girls have been thinking a lot about, like, um, like certain people's parents lately. Um, <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah. Weird now, how that comes up. Reed, here's that an interesting hard. question for you, because mm-hmm. you, the player, are very aware of the the story that the Katbayun told refers mm-hmm. to the other characters' parents, or mm-hmm. at least parental figures. Mm-hmm. Is Grawl aware of that connection? And I'm trying to remember. Grawl is vaguely aware of all the people that it would have pertained to, but wouldn't necessarily Uh have the context, I think. Okay, so he doesn't necessarily know that it's, like, traveling members, like, parents? I'm I'm asking you whether or not you think it would be within Grawl's ability to logic that out. Because no names were ever said. Right. Mm Mm-mm. And Grawl was already vaguely aware of this story, though not necessarily the fine details of it. Grawl was aware um, that there was a hobgoblin warlord that attempted to unite the Drylands, uh-huh. and perhaps the rest of the valley in turn. That warlord was killed, and then the legions disbanded and the unification broke down. Grawl was not aware that those that whole breakdown was the machinations of the old mage, using an adventuring party that is definitely new information um i think he he's not like oh it's these fools um it's more of like (laughs) i wonder Mm, 
Okay. Mm, slow, slowly, like in the back of his head, like could be. Hmm. He's not a hundred percent convinced, but there is the nagging suspicion that somehow there's more to it than uh, just like, oh yeah, these are three random people. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, what consumes the dreams of Grawl, who belongs to no legion? Um, the idea that uh, much like uh, Sid's dream of a random person uh, running along the rooftops, just like silhouette, there's three distinct silhouettes like around like a warlord's corpse. And it's just, <laughs> it looks very similar to, I don't know, one's kind of got a purplish hue. One's got a big old cloak, and one's got a shiny sword. Who's that Pokemon? Yeah, it's Pikachu. Yeah, it's Grawl's corpse. No, 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 it's, it's the Warlord. And as you see those figures sort of picking over the remains of that once proud and noble warrior, the corpse's head will twist upwards, looking directly towards Grawl, as if pulled by a marionette string. And a voice will issue from the mouth with this decayed, rotting voice. And all it says is, You are weak, and you will fail. And I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, great. Cool. Oh, come on, bro. Oh, that's 19. Not bad, actually. Uh, and wisdom is a plus one, so that is... <laughs> Uh, and it's a plus four for saving for that. Grand total, 23. 23. Excellent. You pass your save. So. I would hope so. Doing it in my sleep. Indeed. <laughs> okay. So. Um, yeah. You wake up. That was a very bad dream. Spooky. Is it time for my... Uh... You wake up in time for your watch, yes. Okay, cool. Perfect. Well, that worked out wonderfully. Tiny victories. Indeed. So, the next day passes fairly uneventfully. You do pass another traveler heading north. It is what appears to be a, uh, a triton, which it's interesting to see one of these folk this far out from the lake. Tritons are aquatic humanoids. They have webbed hands and feet that are usually unclad. They have scaled bodies, big wide eyes, big fish lips, but they're not ugly. Imagine basically a mermaid if their fishtail split in half for feet. They're a very proud race, but they are very seldom seen outside the waterways of the valley. So yeah. seeing one riding a cart here is pretty odd. They'll pass you by without much of a comment and just sort of wave at you as you're riding past. I just kind of keep an eye on him. I don't know. Fair enough. Third day ultimately passes uneventfully. You are about close to the midway point between here and Wickmore's Landing. You begin making your preparations around dark on the 29th of Salt. And again, you all fall asleep relatively easily. Your dreams come and go as they do in the night. 
Grawl, what do you dream about? This one's a little bit more pleasant. Uh, Grawl imagines that his uh, his newly found friend in his horse, Aiden, um, is also a sparkle pony, too. Um, yeah. At a certain point in the dream, you're riding Aiden in its glorious, sparkling majesty. When the sparkles start to turn black, and you find yourself riding the corpse of a horse. Oh. And it begins to choke and die and collapse onto the ground. No matter what you do, whatever course or action you take, it only results in this thing decaying all the faster. It's crumbling beneath your legs, and you stumble to the ground. You find yourself on an ash-covered road in the middle of a salt flat. The skeleton of the horse behind you begins rolling together in this weird, macabre, jittering dance. It almost reminds you of the bone golem George that was used by Talila. Ugh. <laughs> and eventually the skull will rattle up to the top of it and begin chattering at you, and it will say, You know nothing. You will fail. And I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. Uh, hey, that's a nat 20. Okay. You come out of the dream coated in sweat, but none the worse for wear. That's normal. And you wake up in time for your watch. Mm-hmm. Tirza, give me an insight check. Fifteen. Grawl definitely looks a little shaken when you rouse him for his turn at watch. There's a there's uh, a clammy pallor to him that's wasn't there. It's tough to tell because he's already so pale. But yeah. Uh, I think I ask if he's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I just, um, I've resummoned my sword, um, for my watch, and uh, just kind of like, like, cling to it just a little bit for like, come, like to hold myself up. Well, all right. You can. You'll tell me if you're not right, girl. He, Grawl isn't looking up like being pensive about this. He, uh, mm. Yeah. 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 If something was wrong, I would tell you. I'm not going to make an insight check on that <laughs> because I trust my friends. <laughs> well, Grawl doesn't necessarily think anything's wrong. He's just having bad dreams. They happen. Mm -hmm. It's true. And mm -hmm. Grawl is no stranger to bad dreams. Yeah. They have plagued him for much of his life. So, on the 30th day of Salt, the last day of the month of Salt, you are probably, oh, I would say, five days out from Wickmore's Landing still. And the day passes again, uneventfully. 
To the east, you can see uh, the the copses of trees and the wide bramble patches of this smaller forest out in the middle of the plains, though it is probably close to 130 miles away. You would have to do some serious trekking out of your way to get over there, but it's just something of note on the horizon as opposed to these long, rolling plains. To the west, you can almost see the river, There is a there, though there is a dip in the landscape so that the actual river itself, the mage's run, cannot be seen from where you are. And the day turns to night. You set up camp as normal. Whatever small talk you have amongst yourselves, you're growing closer and closer. I mean, you've been journeying together for, well, almost a month now. So the little ins and outs of each of your personalities are beginning to reveal themselves to each other. Whatever little quirks are beginning that you have are beginning to grow harder and harder to hide because you're just out in the wilderness with these people for days at a time. Um, is there any little character beat of each of your characters you would like to reveal to the party in terms of like their day-to-day -day habits? Um, Sid, uh, whenever they find like an area to stay, um, Sid kind of walks around the perimeter. Um, just he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go on a walk, um, and then is like gone for. Uh, maybe an hour, hour and a half, just kind of walking around, just familiar, familiarizing himself with the, just the local area. Okay. Yeah, it's probably freaky being in a place that's like so open. Yeah. You're used to having like ways out. Yeah, I'm used to knowing every like every um, direction that I can go in, any like side alley I can slip uh, slip into. Um, so just as a way to like feel more comfortable for himself, like he just wants to like feel like beef with the local area wherever he is. Cool. <clears throat> so that is a yeah. ritual you are all you've all taken note of at this point that Sid performs every time you try to set up camp. Yeah. What else we got? What's a little character tick that you might have been revealed by close proximity? Uh, Grawl will definitely like, like, like clean and like, like maintain his, his sword, even though he knows he doesn't have to. Mm. Um, Cause no matter how many times he'll like summon it or whatever, it's fine. It's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to sharpen it or anything. Um, but nope, he'll like clean it and wipe it all down and stuff like that. Um, kind of like a, like a pre bed ritual before like dismissing it to keep, uh, Sid, um, uh, cool with sharing a tent. <laughs> I'm going to re up that by the way. Um, uh, that, that, that deal is only good for a couple weeks. Gotcha. Um, and okay. so when you bring it up, I'm like, okay. You know, I paid I paid for a little bit, but how about this? Mm -hmm. hmm. You have your sword go away while we're sleeping, mm -hmm. or I punch you a lot at some point in the night. <laughs> like you're in dead of sleep, and I just punch you right in the face. 
I could just sit on you. I could just sleep on top of you, and that would, yeah. I could just smother you with the pillow, and then I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. And then I take all of your gold. Hmm, there's a thought. I would love to see you try, my friend. Okay, go to sleep. I'll show you. So clearly a tension is building between Sid and Grawl. <laughs> it's a, it's all sexual tension. It's, <laughs> it's all sexual at this point. Yeah. Oh, man. The, yeah, the proximity um, to somebody. Like, I'm used to sleeping, like, on my own, like, with nobody else around. So, like, just having to share a space with somebody is, like, not only something Sid is not used to, but he actively does not really like. And he's has to force himself to not get pissed off at Grawl. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think that since Cherish can see in the dark, she is definitely like sits in the tent that she shares with Tirza and is like scribbling furiously in her notebook like a lot and like kind of talking to herself which yeah is she really talking to herself maz he's talking about maz i know (laughs) uh it's it's a little column a little column b okay because that that is another thing to keep in mind is that while you're on these journeys you're Forge bonded items are always with you and are always willing to share input. They will be silent for the most part, unless you call to them, though Maz and Stormpiercer definitely input in the day-to-day conversation occasionally. Stormpiercer especially is very opinionated about things. Oh, he does <laughs> like to talk. It's not that he likes to talk, it's just that whenever he hears something that he finds objectionable, he will speak up. Right, and with it's, me, it's... that happens a lot. How, how, what does Stormpiercer feel about sharing a tent? Because I want to know. Yeah, uh, what do you, what do you think, Stormpiercer? You had best get over whatever infantile reasons you have for disliking each other in this space. To continue upon this quest, upon this journey towards greatness, you must sacrifice much and learn to overcome even greater odds than sharing a tent. Look, I'm fine with fighting skeletons i'm fine with uh uh fighting fey and avoiding traps and being hunted down but like my sleeping space is sacred it is sacred to me and i need to stretch and i need to like fully yeah. extend all of my limbs you can do that in here starfishing i just i yeah you can do that there's enough space you can starfish all you want i don't how know many, what a starfish how... is <laughs> You know, come to think of it, I don't think I do either. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I agree with your sword. Yeah. You should get over it, Sid. (laughs) Maz, on the other hand, will really only interject when called for or Mm -hmm. when they're keenly aware that you're recording something that they might have more information on than you do. Yeah. I, I, I there is literally, it's like literally like a freaking March Madness chart, uh, trying to decide what to ask Finney's fine brook, <laughs> whittling down the options. Uh, do you have any questions for Maz as to what might be the most pertinent? 
Well, I wanted to get more input on one of the suggestions she had about changing the damage types of certain spells, because that seems really intriguing, especially after fighting that Abishai and learning that he was definitely fireproof. That sucked. All of my spells are fire. <laughs> uh, Maz is of the opinion that this is definitely something that can be learned, but that you might not necessarily have the skill to implement just yet. Hmm. Her yeah. basic opinion of Phineas Finebrook is that he was a, a charlatan and someone to be destroyed. But oh, if you must obviously. if you must garner information about him, best to do so in a way that reveals some sort of weakness on his part. Ooh. So like me. ask him like ask him something that we think he might not be able to even help with. Or try to lure him into a trap in some way. Yeah. That's like a whole other March Madness chart. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Maz's suggestions boil down to trying to out-chess Phineas Finebrook in some way. <laughs> yeah. It's a matter of pride at this point. She definitely Pretty doesn't much. like him. Yeah. God, he sucks so much. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, the only other, the other thing I had was is that Cherish has a lot of hair, so, sorry guys, you just, you're just <laughs> finding hair everywhere. Are you taking this from the fact that we live together and I have a lot of hair? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Reed, in, always, it's just always in your mouth somehow. How yeah. did you get into How? my rations? They're completely separate. They're in my pack. How did you get here? <laughs> We just don't know. I don't understand. Uh, speaking of rations, um, Tirza kind of takes over the, like, if there's any foraging and cooking being done, Tirza just kind of always volunteers to do that. Hmm. Um, and if asked, will explain that when she was in the Bari, um, before she... Uh, bonded with Sadagar, she was not. They didn't let her do stuff like that. They don't. You're um. Can't use tools because if you use tools, you might bond with them as opposed to with holy items, and the Jarashir don't don't like that. So she had all of her cooking done for her, and she likes it. Because that was definitely one of your roles while you were traveling with Netta was. Mm -hmm learning how to do all of that stuff under her tutelage. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is, is that Carrie uh, isn't tied up. That's yeah. I like, I decided I like, I like the shortened name. <laughs> um, uh, isn't names. Isn't tied up with the, the horses. Um, it just kind of wanders off into the woods. And then in the morning when we have to go, it just kind of wanders back. Yeah, and it's like, hey guys, yeah. <laughs> there will definitely be at least one night where you'll see it wander off in across the fields, and seeing it touch the horizon, it almost looks as though the reindeer just disappears into the sky a little bit. Seeing it blend in with the storm lights and the the clouds over the the Stormwall Mountains and the the star field above, and it just seems to almost disappear into that landscape. So cool. Yeah. Um. I also feel like Tirza and Sid train 
more. I was just about to say, yeah. I want to at least put a couple more ticks on our oh, yeah. Captain America <laughs> Black <laughs> Widow <laughs> move. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Sid is going to start brainstorming uh, moves that he can come up with for like uh, teaming up with the other party members. He's like, <laughs> it's like what he spends most of his time thinking about. Well, I'll say this much. What little training you do has to be done before you bed down for the evening because you spend your entire day on horseback traveling. Yeah. And <sighs> that is a, a new and horrifying experience for some of you. Saddle sores are real. Yeah, it takes yeah. it takes probably takes like days to get used to the being mm -hmm. sore from God. We went trail riding on vacation, and like my dad and I, as soon as we got off, we were both just like, "Oh God!" Now, oh God! Imagine that experience, but yeah. also with a tail. Oh no! <gasps> yeah, it probably well. Does Cherish have to ride side saddle? That's very cute. <laughs> no, because I, I imagine the tail is like right at the tailbone. Right, but it's the, the it, titular tailbone. Sure, but it's constantly like rubbing up against the 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 back horn of the saddle and all of the gear that you have packed on the oh, saddlebags. Yeah. yeah. So it's just another Bummer. thing that you have to mind while riding. Maybe Cherish does ride side saddle. That also sucks, though. <laughs> Grawl, what are people picking up about you? Mm. He likes to brush his teeth. Mm. Like, he's meticulous about brushing his teeth. That's good. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't want, like, halitosis or anything like that. It's important to maintain good dental hygiene. Um, you can't rip things apart with your mouth if you don't have teeth. Um, it's true. So, yeah. Um, that and like, I don't know. Does anyone? I always imagine Grawl with like two, like the two, like kind of underbite tusks, a little bit, mm -hmm. ever so slightly. They're not as pronounced yeah. as with orcs. Yeah. No, but just like a little bit. Like if he smiled, you'd see them right mm -hmm. there. And they are like his pride and joy. One he calls pride. The other one he calls Alice. Um, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm making a joke. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. Uh no. Uh but yeah, he um he will brush his teeth on horseback and stuff like that. Um he likes to be clean. Um okay. without like like he'll do a smoke bath and stuff like that with with the fire and whatnot. Um cuz uh yeah. If he gets all dirty and whatnot, um I don't know. And he starts to smell, and then he hears about it from Sid. <laughs> so yeah. he's now starting to, like, attempt to bathe regularly to, like, the extent that riding on horseback for a month allows. Okay. Yeah. So, on this last day of the month of salt, what does Grawl dream of? <sighs> I think he's thinking about now he doesn't want to eat rations anymore. Yeah. Um, so like a big banquet hall filled with like the fresh, like hunts and stuff like that, like wild boar and like, yeah, like crazy, crazy 
different food items and breads and oh so much bread so much bread so you're chowing down at this large feast you grab a, a, a haunch off of some kind of wild boar and bite into it and you come away from it your mouth is just suddenly full of the taste and texture of paper and it's this dry sort of just like mealy feeling in your mouth and you try to take you try to like drink it down it just like tastes like liquid paper and you're taking bites at it and suddenly you're eating books just biting out of tomes and scrolls just you can't stop yourself from continuing to consume all of these written things it's a a banquet a plethora of books and scrolls uh pages torn from tomes and you're just grabbing handfuls of it you can't stop yourself you're just jamming it into your mouth just mushing it up into this horrible grit and just forcing yourself to swallow it and a voice from nowhere written over every page says you will never learn the truth you will fail and i need you to give me a wisdom saving throw Okay, third time's a charm. Come on, go, baby. Oh! What do we got? <gasps> oh! We're all gonna die. What do you mean, we're all gonna die? I'm straight dead. I'm just... And... and Crawl doesn't wake jello. up. <laughs> Actually, what happens is... Grawl. Mm. Tirza, when you wake Grawl up for his watch... Mm -hmm. Grawl, I need you to make a perception check. Oh no. Okay, that's good. No, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, which perception? There it is. Okay, that's a 22. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So, Tirza, as you approach, you can see Grawl twisting and turning in his sleep. You're kind of just like approaching the tent and you hear this just like rolling, twisting. And as you pull the temp flap and like your usual routine is just like to go in and like tap him on the boot and pull him out for his watch. But you can see grasped in near him. Sometimes that's where he has held his greatsword. There's this twisting, writhing piece of you don't know what it is, but it's just something moving unnaturally in the tent as you approach. Uh, I... Um, oh god, I call out to him? Grawl? Sid is, like, right next to him, right? Yeah, and Sid yeah. seems none the oh. wiser. Okay. He's doing his full starfish. Oh. <laughs> He's snoring gently. Grawl, you awaken to Tears' calls and suddenly mm -hmm. come to. Tirza, you see that horrible writhing shape resolving itself into a greatsword, and Grawl, you come sitting straight up, breathing heavily, staring into the middle distance, sort of not even aware of your surroundings, and you take 22 psychic damage. Fuck. And you have not gained any of the benefits of a long rest. Um, I'm... Tirza, as you see Grawl, like, stumbling out of the tent into the low firelight, you see just blood streaming down his eyes and out of his ears. Yeah, I was gonna say, I, like, grab him by the, like, lapel, like, lapels, I guess. Um, and I'm gonna do lay on hands for 22 points. 
does i don't know does i don't know if grawl recognizes or like realizes that, like what's happened to him at all He's just like getting up and just going about it, just like you wake like up with day. the worst migraine you've ever felt, and just a sensation of terror, just absolute fear coursing through you. Ah, Mondays. Um, okay. Do I like more like wiping the sleep away from my eyes, and then like realizing my hands are covered in blood? Is it a lot, or is it just like the single? It is an excessive amount. Oh, good. Ugh. You got a whole crow thing going on, but with blood. I, like, literally don't even know how a person would or should respond to this. <laughs> I mean, it's metal as hell, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's very contrasty with the red and white. It looks very right. yeah. yeah. It's great for your complexion. Yeah. I've got a blush going on. Mm. Oh, creepy. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Grawl's just looking at his hands, then up to Tirza. Like, In the pitch like, black night, the only light being cast is by the dim embers of the fire that is even now dwindling away to nothing. And can the, I still see in the, the dark? bright, luminous skies above you. You can still see in the dark, yes. I'm okay. just painting a word picture of the scene. Okay. Because while your dark vision is active, you can see pretty well in dim light, but everything is in shades of gray. Hmm. Okay. Crawl, what's going on? Uh, I I ate a book. I I don't know how to. I I, I ate books. I was dreaming about eating books, and I woke up, and yeah, I, I don't know. Do you... Should should we stop? Should we go back to the tower? You're bleeding from your eyes. I... I, I, I don't... Maybe it's a one-time thing. I... <sighs> would, would you like me to stay up with you for your watch um i'm last in the watch order right mm -hmm. okay so tears you did get some sleep right you're not uh yeah but i'm assuming uh mike that to do this i would also not have the benefit of a night's sleep it's true okay that's okay um looks around like the surroundings like we're still out in kind of the open still? Yeah, absolutely. You know okay. you're not far. You're, again, perhaps, uh, let's see. Six. Uh, yeah, you're still probably five days out from Wickmore's Landing. Um, so you're, okay. you're closer to Crescent's Edge than you are Wickmore's Landing, but you're almost about the halfway mark. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if you could stay up, that'd be really great okay and i don't know that they even talk like do they even talk at all yeah no i didn't, I didn't think so oh oh well, no the only thing the only thing he says it for like right off the bat is just like don't tell the other two i i don't 
and she kind of looks at him and looks at his face, and he still has like a smear of blood that he's missed across his face, mm-hmm. just right under his eyes. Okay, I won't. So the rest of your watch passes, each of you, both Tirza and Grawl, take the first level of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. You, you have disadvantage on ability checks. The next day, you all wake up, preparing for your the next length of your journey. Sid, Cherish, you are both blissfully unaware of what transpired the night before. Mm-hmm. Does your daily pattern of travel change at all? Or do you just keep on keeping on? Um, I'm not sure. I, I would say as like Sid gets more used to riding on a horse and so he's le- just generally less sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, I would imagine like first half of the the journey, he was more uh, doing more like like as I was saying, walking around um, the area. Um, but as he gets more comfortable with riding, then he can like maybe practice more because uh, uh, he's just less sore um, in general. Um, yeah, I don't know if anything changes. The the main problem with practicing your swordsmanship isn't necessarily the uh, amount of physical distress you're in. It's the amount of time you have. Yeah. Because if you're making right. camp sure. at around sunset, it's tough to train in darkness. Yeah. I mean, you have the well, ability I'm... to see at night and yeah. I'm sure they take breaks to water the horses too. And it's like... true. Yeah. Take breaks for lunch and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stretching. Um and stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I don't know if the rest of the party would be okay with like taking some breaks uh, throughout the day just to like stretch and and exercise a little bit. Um, I do not like riding on a horse for you know twelve straight hours. All right. Well, I've been assuming a uh, a normal pace for all of you. You're not necessarily trying to push the horses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. The day passes, you stretching, training a little bit, watering the horses. You are now in the first day of the month of shade. You know that these are the the darkest times of the year, the shortest days. As you travel, you can almost see the days growing shorter. The sun spends less time above the outer storm, and it creates strange effects during this time of the year. The sun spends much more time behind the Stormwall Mountain than it does above it. So the sunlight will reflect through the outer storm in strange ways at times, creating odd aurora patterns during times of the day where you're not used to seeing it. Hmm. It'll cast shadows over the Tempest Rest Valley during times where you're not expecting it. It's almost as though eclipses will occur sporadic random periods though it's mostly just the sun being blocked out by the storm when it's rising and falling during midday you're still pretty good but 
in the morning and closer to the evenings, there will be patches of just sudden and abrupt night. Mm. Those might pass for whatever lingers of the morning or twilight, but it is something you would all know living in the valley. As you approach the end of the first day of the month of shade, you run amidst one of those patches of darkness and you stop suddenly aware that the horses sometimes tend to get freaked out by these sorts of things. So it's better to just stop than try to press them through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and as you do growl, I need you to give me a perception check. Hey, up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Link. 18. <laughs> it's in my blood, okay? I gotta do it. <laughs> you feel yourself beginning to, to nod slightly on the horse. You're, you're Towards the end of the day, you're definitely feeling the fact that you didn't get a, a good night's sleep. It's mm. that kind of tired where it's just like, oh man, I've been up too long. And there's oh, this, yeah. this bone-deep ache. So when your head nods and you look up down the road a ways in this semi-darkness when you see the the lone figure standing at the center of the road maybe 400 500 feet down the road you shake your head and blink and look again and they're not there anymore mm. Mm -mm. okay oh no not good you begin to make camp in a few more hours once true night begins to settle is there any change to your method with which you do so? I'll take that as a no. No. So, you proceed to have your watches as normal against the low firelight. Does anything change amidst that? Oh, I was going to... Sorry, I was going to say... Um... If Tirza and Sid wanted to train after we make camp, I can cast Dancing Lights to give them kind of like a little, like, training square. Nice. It's yeah. like a football field lighting, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Sid, because we're training, mm -hmm. probably noticed that Tirza is not doing... It's, it's probably not, like... Well, let's oh see. My God, Sid, she's... give me an insight check. Oh, bam. Bam. Bam and damn. I have a plus five to athletics, okay? Even oh. with disadvantage, I'm probably 16. okay. Yeah, you definitely notice, Sid, that Tears is dragging a little bit more than usual. Yeah. Um. Do I, like... Do I, she, do I see her, like, make like more mistakes while we're while we're sparring kind of yeah thing. there's just like timing is a little bit off and her stance yeah. is sloppy and like you can see that there's a looseness in her grip of her weapon yeah i think at first sid is going a little hard um he it's hard for him not to um but I, I, after a few good like like hits or or whatever um I think he real realizes that she's not she's just not on top of it. Uh you you feeling yourself? Feeling okay? Oh I'm I'm fine. I um I didn't sleep very well. Ah. 
not too late to change tents with me, by the way. <laughs> How far away are they? Just curious. <laughs> uh, probably no more than 50 feet away from the camp. Could, could I hear that from the camp? <laughs> Give me a perception check at disadvantage. <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, 13. Yeah, no, I mean, you're you're pretty close to nodding off at this point, and they're okay. between the clash of steel and the, the rustle of their movements and the crackle of flame as you're cooking whatever dinner you may. There's definitely mm. just like, uh, they're talking about something, but you can't make out the words. Okay. Tears doesn't even respond. She kind of, she goes like just a little, a little blushy, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's been... So the watch order remains the same, I take it? Yeah. Alright. So, as we proceed into the night, Grawl, you pretty quickly fall asleep, I'm guessing? Uh. Okay. What do you dream about? Uh. Um. Hmm. <laughs> Grawl dreams about, um, oh, he's having, he's having a good one. He's having a good one. It's the moment he flicked the beer over on Phineas Finebrook and it spilled all over him. It's just kind of like that. And he just keeps flipping like a whole row of beers over onto Phineas Finebrook. Just like it doesn't end. It's a good time. And as you keep pouring beer after beer on top of this frumpy doctor's face. His face twists and contorts, becoming this just grotesque scowl. The beer you're pouring on top of his head becomes darker and darker until finally you tip one over and it's this just slop of red blood running down his face. And then his scowl turns into just this horrid sneer of just malevolent... This, the look says, I know something that you don't. And it's something you're never going to figure out, and you're n not smart enough to ever figure it out. He'd have that look on his face either way. <laughs> so, like, even if he didn't know anything, he'd still have that look on his face. God, what a tool. And you're pouring more and more blood onto the top of his head, and you're feeling yourself getting weaker and weaker until you finally realize and look down at the wrist that's pouring the beer, and it's not coming out of the, the, the mug that you're tipping over his head. It's leaking out of your veins onto him, and you're just staring down at your emaciated body. You look down at yourself, and you're as wrung out as you ever were, wandering along the wastelands or the drylands, just completely emaciated and almost bone dry. And... The blood-ridden, grinning Phineas Finebrook will stand up, walk over to you, and just lightly shove you, and you fall over. And he says, you will fail. And I need you to give me a wisdom saving throw. What do we got? We got a seven. Okay. Tirza? Yeah. 
<laughs> Tonight you dread going to wake up, Grawl. Yeah. But do you still do it? Yeah. Okay. Moving over towards Sid and Grawl's tent, you're again met with the sounds of rolling, slight murmuring, Grawl letting out weak little cries of some kind. And as you pull back the tent flap, again, you see this just writhing shape next to Grawl. You have no idea what it is. It seems to twist and fold in on itself, wrapping around in strange, unnatural shapes. Um, can I use my divine sense? Sure. Um, you do not sense any evil or particular good in here. And specifically, it lets you detect... Let's see. Celestial, fiendish, or fey. Are those the only things it detects? I don't know. I have to check. I believe you are correct about that. Um, but, 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 divine sense. The presence of strong evil registers as a sense like a noxious odor, and powerful good rings like heavenly music in your ears. As an action, you open your eyes to blah, 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 blah. Celestial fiend and undead within 60 feet. All right. Um, yeah, you do not detect any of those things, and nothing really detects as particularly evil or good. The only thing that pings is fiendish is cherish in the next <laughs> <Yeah>. ten. <laughs> like, right. oh, god damn it. <laughs> Uh, okay. I wake him up. All right. God. Grawl, you mm. wake up, and you have taken 17 points of psychic damage. And I do you, the same thing I, when I wake him up. And you I, have not gained the, uh, the use of a long rest. So you're now suffering the second level of exhaustion, which means your speed is halved on top of disadvantage of all your ability checks. Okay. Uh, wait, so, um, I'm trying to figure out, did you, did Cherish, or not Cherish, uh, Tirza heal me after the first Yes, one? I did. Tirza, how, how many points? For, for 22. And 22. how many points did you have left of your lay on hands? How many? Eight. Well, then that's how many you can use. That's exactly. Mm -hmm. Um. Thirty-six. Okay. Unless, uh, are you healing me, or I just for eight? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure my hit points are right. Um. And as soon as Grawl is awake, the strange writhing form resolves itself into the shape of his greatsword. Is he bleeding again? Oh, yeah. From the ears, from the nose. Grawl, we have to talk to... Sid probably can't help, but Cherish, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly something magic. Well, well, no, but so... Like, the guy thing... stab, let me know, yeah. I... Like, as far as, like... Grawl knows is he's just having a bad dream and he's waking up and his greatsword is there. 
but and he's, also and he's bleeding from his yeah. face and he's right. exhausted yeah okay and can barely function i i don't know if i don't think grawl knows what to do i, I will say this much I, grawl you every single one of these dreams you can also recall with perfect clarity oh okay um ugh. okay um, Since the 28th of the month of salt, every dream you've had, you can recall perfectly. Gross. Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm gonna clean myself up, and then I'm gonna talk to Cherish for a minute out by the fire. Cherish or Tirza? God, the Tirza, that one. I'm so used mm-hmm. to saying Cherish because we have to get Cherish yeah. out of trouble so often. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, well now it's your turn buddy <laughs> um so i'm going to relay um uh, in kind of more sped up like or like a cliff notes version of the four dreams four correct mm-hmm. so far yeah yeah uh to to tirza um and yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to keep her up too late because, like, then she will go without rest again. And yeah, I'm gonna need those points to keep on heal me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, those dreams freak her out. She's officially freaked out now. We'll probably also have nightmares. Um, Grohl, I... This, that seems... There's something wrong with you. I... I I, I mean, there's something going on. Not, there's... You know what I mean. I don't... I have Hmm. the ability to heal, but I don't know... I don't know what this is, and I don't know how much... Hmm. I have an idea. Um... How long is each watch? Let's see, if you have an eight-hour period of rest, each watch would be two hours. Okay. So, um... Get some... uh, Grawl will say to to Tirza, get some sleep. I'm gonna wake you up early. I need to go have a chat. Okay. Okay. So, in Grawl explains that in an hour and a half ish, he's going to wake Tirza up to finish the last half an hour of his watch for him. Okay. Uh, she she does. Okay. She goes. It's gonna take. Yeah. Ken. She has to pray. She has to pray a lot to get to sleep. Okay. 
And then after that, like hour and a half, uh, like, is the sun coming up yet? No. Uh, what time do we start? What time do we night, head out? Night is much longer than eight hours at this point. Okay. Well, what what time roughly is it that we like? You usually start listening for bird song, and when you can start hearing that, okay. you usually know, like, okay, we need to start getting up and moving. Okay. It's not a, a, a precise time, but while you're taking your watch, I need you to give me a perception check at disadvantage. It doesn't get worse than that. So there's a one. Okay. Cool. You're trying to stay up. You're trying to observe the world around you, watching for dangers that might come out of the night. But every time you do, you just... Your head is slowly nodding. You're feeling that so weary, bone-deep ache that comes from just two days worth of no rest. You're at that point where you're so exhausted, you don't even think you could fall asleep. It hurts just to be awake at this point. In there. You're staring into the middle distance. The embers of the fire behind you aren't even a fire anymore. They're just coals, though they still are slightly red. Sort of your method has been to let the fire die down in the early hours of the morning because you don't necessarily need it. You can see in the dark. Um, unless you wanted to keep it stoked for warmth. But At this I, point, I'm kind of worried about falling into the fire and burning myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a role I want to to do. So, But staring off into the middle distance, you see those strange lights above the Stormwall Mountains, the multicolored lightning, and in your exhaustion, you're just watching the storm grow bigger and bigger until it consumes the whole sky. The multicolored lightning within the clouds slowly resolving into the shape of faces that you know. Sid, Tirza, Cherish, the old mage, Phineas Finebrook, the skull of a horse, the leering, blood-soaked smile of Camion, the tired, weary face of Judah, and the confident smile of Valor. Mm. Uh. When you suddenly come back awake, the sky is normal. And the sun is close to rising. It's well past when you told Tirza when you would wake up, wake her up. Okay. I had a plan. Um, Still dark outside, though. Awake? How well past? Like, like. You're probably like really hour. close to approaching sunrise, but you would have gotten everyone up and out of camp probably about an hour ago if you'd had your way. I'm gonna wake everyone up then. Everyone, you are woken as normal by Grawl. Oh, morning, sunshine. Morning. Grawl. I fell asleep. I'm sorry. That's are you okay? okay? Uh, 
No. He's like looking up at the sky, trying like he doesn't want to admit that he's having problems. Um. He looks at he looks at tears and he's like, "Okay, I have to talk about my feelings or whatever." You know, he has to let everyone know. Um. Something's going on. And I don't know what it is. Uh, waking up with blood all over my face, and I'm having really bad dreams. Yeah. And I, yeah. That sounds terrible. Like, yeah. is it your blood? I mean, I feel like it's my blood. I'm falling asleep all the time. I'm pretty tired. It's his blood. Okay. I was like checking my neck or something like it's if he's It's not. Neck. It's not you. It's not you. Small one. How? Wait. What's the height difference between Sid and I? I just want to know. How tall are you? I'm like six something. Six something. Oh, six foot. Yep, six foot. Oh, so like two inches. Okay, that's good enough. There's probably a bulk difference as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, I was going to wake Tirza up uh, early, and I was going to go have a chat with my sword. Um, but that didn't pan out, and so now we are late to get on the road. Do you want to have a chat with your sword anyways we could start later yeah i mean if you're not sleeping and you're waking up bleeding that's yeah i figured it wasn't the best situation we should yeah. figure out um give me a couple minutes and i'll be right back um how like hilly is this area like, are we thinking, like, Windows desktop hilly? No, or, it's a very like... low rolling planes. You could probably get out of line of sight if you really tried, but anyone who, like, walked any distance in either direction of the road could probably get a sight of you. Okay, so if uh, I just walked out, like, say, for, like, ten minutes, or just walking straight, would I still see them? If they haven't broken down the camp, yes, and... Okay. Like, the horses are still very large animals that you can probably see. Okay. I'm just going to go walk off into, like, the grass for a minute. And, like, I'll okay. look back at everyone a couple steps out and just be like, and give I'll me a couple minutes. Once you get farther away from the road, the grass starts getting taller and taller to the point where if you, like, crouch down, you could probably hide pretty easily. Mm. If you wanted to. Okay. Imagine no. that you break down the camp while you're doing that. Okay. Or at least eat. Or at least eat, yeah, that's true. So, Grawl, you wander off a little ways from the camp, then what? Uh, Grawl's assuming that this is all happening from his sword. Um, he'll get out into the, like, the grass and just plant it into the ground. Just stand there with his arms crossed. Sword kicks it. remains steadfast. The slightly glowing runes near the hilt spell out in a language you don't know how you understand the word mot. 
it's not he he knows how to like pronounce it and say it right it's yeah like he, but again okay. you you don't know you have no context for the characters that are on the sword why okay. you know what they spell what they spell Grawl has no idea it's a little upsetting okay he just has knowledge from nowhere yeah just like in seeing this combinations of runes you instinctively know what it says okay um he's going to say that then he will say mott nothing happens um okay uh and then out of frustration he will take the sword and start wailing at the ground just a dull thud, 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 cleaving these large scars into the earth, cutting up grass. He's starting to get frustrated, like, like, like. So, question: If he's if Grawl started crying, would it be blood again? Does Grawl start crying? A little bit. It's. It looks like. You know when you bite your tongue a little bit or your cheek and you spit and you can see there's like there's a little bit of red in there, but for the most part it's saliva. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. Or like when you floss too hard. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, and then after a while, he's gonna just throw the sword. He's just gonna chuck it as hard as he can. Give me a strength check. At disadvantage. Yeah. Five. And with a dull thud, it just plants in the ground less than five feet away from you at a harsh 45 degree angle. The hilt pointing back towards you. Your limbs feel heavy. That throw leaves you breathless in a way that it shouldn't. Hmm. He's trying to think of what's going on. He's thinking this is the favor that he owed the Kapeun. He's trying to think of his like his his deal with Mott. He's thinking maybe it's the old mage trying to get him now. Um. Hmm. Girl doesn't know what to do. So what does Girl do? Hmm. Um, he, he dismisses, like, the sword, just, like, waves it away. And there's this disassembling moment, as with green cracks appear in the sword, and it begins to just dissolve into these little moth-shaped flakes that just drift away and fade into nothing. Give me a 
perception check at disadvantage. One. There's no sound but the wind over the plains as the sword disappears. And I think it is there that we will take our break. And when we return, perhaps we are in for some more nightmares. Greetings, my friends. Omatep Duskwalker here, owner and proprietor of Duskwalker Import and Export TM. Here today to talk to you about an item that I personally never leave the shop without. The Amulet of Proof Against Detection and Location. This seemingly innocuous necklace bears many arcane runes and sigils, the meaning of which has been lost to time and space, but <laughs> you know how that goes. What is truly important is what it does, and what that is is hide you from every form of divination magic known throughout the multiverse. When wearing this amulet, you are hidden from divination magic, and you cannot be targeted by such spells or perceived through magical scrying sensors. Basically, what that means is if someone is trying to get a good look at you via magic of some kind, they can't. It's like you're invisible, only, you know, not. So if someone's standing right in front of you, it's not really going to do anything. But if some creepy old wizard up in her tower, I, I mean, um, any wizard's tower, it could be anyone, really. <laughs> You'd never know with wizards and their towers, um, scrying on people. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Um, oh yes, this amulet. <laughs> it's not like I wear it out of my shop so that certain old mages don't notice my comings and goings and aren't aware of certain items that I may or may not be bringing into the valley under suspect of death, depending on which plane you're on. Look, it's nothing like that, I swear. Anyway, um, this amulet, yeah, uh, how about you? Would you like to buy it? Yes, of course, you would like to buy this amulet, so I am not currently possessing it anymore. Uh, I will give it to you for 200 gold, only 200 gold for this amulet. How does that sound? Yes? Come on. Please? Ah, all right, well, I'll get you back to the action then. And welcome back to Material Components. When last we left our heroes, Grawl, the Hobgoblin Warlock, had been beset by a seemingly endless series of nightmares that have begun dealing physical damage to him in the waking world. The party is now alerted to this fact, and... Despite a desperate attempt to bargain with his patron, the creature Mott, uh, seems to have resulted in no miraculous answers of any kind. So you find yourselves traveling yet again on the third day of the month of Shade. Um, I was actually going to mention, too, while he is having this conversation with I... Um, I, I don't know that I pull Cherish aside, but I'm speaking to Cherish mostly. Sorry, Sid. Uh, and I tell her everything about the twisty sword stuff and all of the dreams that Grawl had and just everything that I knew about the situation. Okay. Uh, and I want to... And I don't know if I do this like while Cher tears is talking while cherish is talking to me jesus christ <laughs> see see 
<laughs> happens to everybody. Walters is talking to me, or like it could happen on the road too, but I wanted to make an arcana check. Just like because I don't I don't know you know, whatever mechanically that Grawl is a warlock, but just whatever all of that stuff means to me. And also him being like, I have to go talk to my sword. <laughs> yeah, I think in you spent a great deal of time researching just magical theory at the tower. And you were That's definitely a, a bit of a more dedicated student. So you would know that there are many paths to arcane power. Yeah. The one that you are walking is one of innate power. The sorcerer yeah. is a person who just has some natural flair for magic. The wizard is the person who studies and uh, accrues knowledge and arcane lore for themselves to inevitably be able to express that power in some way. Mm -hmm. The warlock is a known thing. Making yeah. bargains and deals with higher powers, whatever they may be, in order to get magic is not an unknown practice. It is certainly questionable in certain circles, depending on yeah. what you're making a deal with. And personally, I don't really get it. I would say that the warlocks of the Archfey are probably the most prominent within the valley. Those who wander into the Eastwood in an attempt to make bargains and gain power is definitely something that happens. The, the only thing I'm saying is that I don't know if I would either just know or be able to tell somehow that Grawl is a warlock. So I just don't know how much this Arcana check would even like help the situation. Well, let's find out. Let's. I'm using advantage as well. All right. Ooh. That is 24. All right. Maz What's definitely keys you in on the fact that she at least believes that his power is not his own. He is too attached to that sword. It is clearly some sort of implement given to him by some sort of higher power. What that may be, you don't know. Yeah. But the sword is clearly important. Okay. And Maz... You got a 24? Yes. Maz will say, Note the inscription upon the blade. Okay. I think I kind of file those away to write down later. Because I probably can't, well, I probably can't see the sword. He dismissed it. Right. Yeah. So I'll just have to keep an eye out for that. Okay. Eventually, Grawl comes back lacking sword. Your camp has been broken down. You can all see that Grawl's feet are dragging. He is moving much slower than he might otherwise. Doesn't reduce the speed of the horse, but yeah. Grawl at least is moving much slower than he usually does. I just kind of wordlessly hand him a plate of food that we made for him. 
Nom 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 nom. <laughs> Do you, you don't even take the plate? You just eat it out of my hand. <laughs> I'm just holding it, and you're like, nom nom nom. No, I take one of the feed bags from the horses off of them and I put it on my own face. Uh, yeah. Um. No, I'll just uh, I'll I'll eat it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And this is the second day of sh of uh, shade. You are entering the third. Day of Shade. So you mount up. You begin your journey once again. You are now past the halfway point to Wickmore's Landing. Occasionally, a wind from the south will carry the smells of river water. It becomes a slight upward track. The gradient is ever so slight. It's almost unnoticeable, but occasionally the horses are getting a little bit more tired than they might otherwise. You stop occasionally for rest and breaks. Your whatever slight training sessions you manage are definitely made with uh, a side eye over to Grawl, who is constantly just drooping wherever he stands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I I don't think Tirza is training. I think when they do breaks, um she has she has the amulet of uh Shamaran clutched in her hand and she is trying to figure out what to do. I think that involves praying to Shamaran for guidance and also trying to reason reason herself. Okay. Reason it out herself. Ugh, English. <laughs> Other than that, the day passes almost too uneventfully. There's The wind dies from time to time to make for an almost complete lack of wind. Out here, the Grass will occasionally ripple in the breeze, creating this awesome sort of wave effect across the fields. But even that is lacking today. The sky is overcast. It looks as though you may be in for harsher weather sooner rather than later. As the daylight dwindles... I need Grawl to give me a perception check with disadvantage. Uh, eight. Your lids are heavy. You're constantly just sort of staring down at the ground just in front of your horse. Occasionally your head will loll up as you go over some bump in the track. And you will blink rough sleep and pain out of your eyes, staring in some direction. And at least six times over the course of the day, you think you see that lone, black, silhouetted figure standing maybe 400, 500 feet away. Blinking your eyes, shaking your head, trying to widen your eyes again to fight off sleep. The figure disappears every time, but it's just happening more and more. Um... 
one time the 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 last time that it happens just before um, sunset in one of those strange dark patches and the sun goes out suddenly and you see it again is it like make sure not to blink this time mhm is it still there looks as though it's staring you down as you just like wide-eyed sort of weaving back and forth on the top of this horse your hands numb as they've clutched the reins all day long you feel the need the intense need to blink to close your eyes to do something as you stare at this figure in the distance uh hmm, two options here um without blinking how far does Eldritch Sight go? I think it's only 30 feet. Or is it like... Uh... Detect Magic only goes out 30 feet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, without saying... Or without blinking, uh, I'm going to pull on the reins to slow down. Okay. You all immediately notice Grawl slowing his horse. Yeah, I think... I, I, I cherish definitely slows her horse as well. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, he's very... Is he obviously, like, staring off into middle distance, or...? As it, it looks as though he's someone who's desperately trying to keep his eyes open. His eyes are wide. You can see the whites crisscrossed with red around the, the rim of his eyes in this horrible pink-red color. I glance in the direction that he's looking. And you look, and it's just empty fields out there. Uh, and then I will kind of... Um... She doesn't actually have to command her mount to do anything, which is probably weird. But uh, I, like, come up alongside him and touch his shoulder, and I... Grawl. Grawl, are you all right? There's someone in the field. I look again. There's no one there. Can I still see something? There's a dark silhouette, perhaps 500 feet out. Backlit by the dying light that is filtering through the storm. I can see it. What does it look like? It's just like a, like a person silhouette? Just an amorphous person like a shadow that's not being cast by anything. Oh, okay. Mm. So no distinctive features. Damn it. There's a shadow out there in the field. Is it crawled towards us? No. It's not moving. If I blink, it will go away. Is it is something following us? Is everyone close enough to hear me whisper about? I mean, this? we all, we all. Yeah. I well, I just don't know how like lo how quickly you guys noticed. And I, I am like, also right up on yeah, I have I, I, my hand on Carl's okay. shoulder. I feel like Tirza is really the only one hearing this low murmur. Yeah. Okay, the rest of you are sort of glancing off in whatever direction they're both staring. Yeah, I guess I'm just looking around. Brawl, there's nothing there. 
Grawl, give me a constitution saving throw. Yeah, I was going to Cherish was going to be like, also, Ooh. you are going to have to blink at some point. It's yeah, not... I know. Uh, uh, that's, that's a 17. Okay, you're just holding your eyes open. Tirza, you see a, a single tear that wells with red leaking down the side of his face. I... There's, uh, that I raise my voice so that everyone else can hear. Mm-hmm. There's, there's someone out there. Both of you can see farther than I can. Are you, and I like point in the direction that Grawl is looking. Okay. Yeah, I look out. All right. Yeah. Give me perception checks. Eighteen. Uh, Fifteen. You both stare out in the direction they're pointing, and there's just nothing. The wind is still. There's just empty grasslands out there. Um, is everything okay? I shout over. Cherish in your mind, Maz will say, he's clearly going mad. He hasn't, apparently he hasn't, I'm saying this to, like, in my mind to Maz, I'm not saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he hasn't slept in two days. I I believe that there is something strange going on with the sword, but he's also probably hallucinating. Very likely. Grawl. Mm. We need to set up camp. You need to get some sleep. I'm gonna kill it. Grawl, there's... If I start moving the horse towards it, how long would it take me to get to it? At full five hundred sp- feet. At full speed, yeah. the horse could get there in less than three rounds. So, less than a minute. Okay. Do you gonna- do you do that? Yep. Yep. I I I, 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 I like I don't look at tears. Though. I'm just gonna whisper over my shoulder. I'm like I'm gonna kill it. Give me an animal handling roll at disadvantage. <laughs> okay. Uh, an animal handling eight. You kick your horse, trying to get it to go up to a full gallop at amazing, like blitzkrieg speed. This horse was not built for speed per se, but you're trying to push it into a full gallop. Mm-hmm. You all see Grawl just like kick his horse and go yeah, and try to bolt off into the plains. Something catches the horse rears and Grawl goes tumbling backwards and just falls into the dirt on the side of the road. Uh, somebody should go after his horse. Does it run off? The horse is kind of whinnying and sort of circling around, not necessarily running in any one direction, but it seems okay. spooked by something. I'm going to oh. go try and wrangle it back towards the road. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get off my horse and start like like I'm assume like Tirza are you going to help Grawl? Like, yeah. Yeah, I I'm going to get down off my horse and start like unpacking stuff and setting up camp. Okay. Um 
Grawl pulls himself up and starts grabbing rocks and chucking him in the general direction. You've blinked at this up. point and, like, looking up, there's nothing there. Oh, no, he doesn't care if there's anything there. He's just yeah. throwing rocks in that direction now. Okay. He has, what's he gonna do? Going for the full, full madman routine, I see. Mm-hmm. Sid, you eventually wrangle the horse. It takes some time, but you manage to. Tirza, you approach Grawl as he's just screaming, throwing stones at nothing. Um, I think I just, like, don't, like, what is there to say in this situation? I think I just try to, I, like, grab one of his arms as he's mid-throw. Mm-hmm. And I, like pull his hand down and I try to take the rock out of his hand. Good, good. You can throw rocks too. Good, good, good. <laughs> Who's better than one? Get 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 cherish over here and then we'll have we'll have we'll have Sid sneak up behind it and and we'll be dist- we'll distract them with the rocks and and then and then we can kill it. Crawl. What? There's There's nothing to kill. There's there's nothing there. He looks back out of the field again. There's nothing. He's like trying to widen his eyes, even though he, he can't do that. Like he's straining to look hard enough. Um. Yeah. This is his horse like all wrangled. Yeah. By now, Sid's like, coming back with the horse. Cherish has begun setting up camp, yes? Yeah. I put my extra bedroll in in Grawl's like in Grawl's sleeping area. Hopefully if he's comfier he can sleep better. <laughs> and we solved all of Grawl's problems. We did it! We won! Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Take that, Mott. <laughs> um can uh Graw's, Graw's gonna ask if he can take first watch tonight. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever you whatever you need. No. No? I, no. Sid, he's oh, 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 I just gotta you know stay what? up yeah. a couple hours then Graw. everyone else can watch. Actually, Graw, I have a second I have a second opinion actually. Okay. Thank you for reminding me, Cherish. You're not gonna you're not gonna do how how many times did you fall asleep last night when you were doing your watch? W- one. I fell asleep one once. That's one too many. You've yeah. been awake for you've basically been awake for two days. Yeah, yeah, that is a that is an excellent point. Um I guess one of us has three to do... actually. Three. Ugh. Uh I guess one of us should um uh, do an extra shift, rotate, which you know, like tomorrow night somebody else can do it, kind of a thing. I just Tirza, I do. was going to ask you to wake me up before you go and wake Grawl up, so that if the same thing happens tonight, I can I can see what's happening. Maybe I can do something if I if I actually see it. Okay, that seems. So, is someone going to be keeping watch on the camp and also on Grawl? 
I j- personally, I think we should just let him try to get some sleep. We'll be here outside the tents if anything happens before the watch order starts. And I know... Do I know that the his sword has been weird? Is that, I mean, I is said that, it in front of you. Yeah. Okay. Just... I might be a little too freaked out and to sleep in there, if I'm going to be honest. For the first time in as long as you've known Grawl, this for this whole day, he hasn't had the sword. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming you've kept it dismissed? Yeah, I don't... It's making so. him cranky. Question. Does Grawl know that it, it's all, like, wobbly, grossy-gross? Um, and then waking him up? Okay. No. No one's told Grawl that. Oh. We sh- probably should. The only one who's seen it is Tears. Should Tirza. we? <laughs> well, Tears told me. And Tears told me, so. Okay. Well, you were there for the whole conversation <laughs> anyway. Just so. <laughs> saying, we were playing telephone. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really important part of this whole situation. Yeah, I'd rather so, know if it were me. Yeah, I think. I don't know how it comes up in the conversation, but Cherish definitely says, like, you know, when... Oh, Your I sword's probably... going crazy. Have yeah. a good night's sleep. No, probably when she asks Tirza to wake her up before she before waking up Grawl. Like, you know, I want to see what this what the sword is doing when it's going all wibbly-wobbly. Okay. I said um, something more serious in real life, but... Yeah. <laughs> or in fantasy life? I don't yeah. know. It's doing what? Tirza said when she woke you up, your sword was uh, twisting and but it wasn't your it wasn't a sword, but it formed into your sword when you woke up. Okay. Hmm. Sid, are you doing this because because you want your gold back? <laughs> I don't. I don't do magic. Yeah. Okay. Sid, Sid doesn't do magic. Unless Cherish, are you in I'm, league with him? I'm so glad I was muted because I just <laughs> let out a very loud noise. <laughs> Girl, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make it so that you're exhausted and hallucinating. While we're trying to do something really important that we need everybody for. Okay, just checking. Just checking. Harmless pranks, sure, but... You're, like... You could die from this? I don't know. You have to sleep. Sleeping is super important. It's super good Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not sleeping is really bad for you. It's really bad for you. It's true. Yeah. You can get a cold if you don't sleep enough. Anyways, um... Uh, but I dismiss the sword at night. It's true. I don't have it. But it's been appearing? I mean, it can... Grawl, if I snap my fingers, it can pop up. That's how it works. Something you are now realizing is, for the last few nights, every time you've woken up, you've had the sword on you. He's doing the, the, the seeing the math thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That and we've means... been we've been all privy to this 
gold in exchange for not having a sword oh, yeah. in the tent. It's been, yeah. A, yeah. been a very loud spat between the two of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you could try not having the sword dismissed at night. Sid, I know that that's not ideal for you, but... Whatever. Yeah, I can... Well, I'll, I'll also, plan. Sid, you can sleep in... If girl's not taking a night shift, you can just sleep in our tent. Is there room? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little creeped out by this sword thing. Tell me about it. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, There's only two people sleeping at a time. Oh, right, right. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So what is the watch order then? Um, I think it's going to be the same... Except we're n- maybe not going to wake Grawl up. Okay. So we're going to take longer shifts. I guess we're going to take longer shifts. Um. Yeah, hopefully know, we're not all the, exhausted. I just hate the faces that he makes. It just makes me so mad. So <laughs> nervous. Yeah, the last thing I want is for all of us to be exhausted. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna um, catch the baddies off guard because we mixed up our sleeping order. Uh, I'm actually going to, uh, say Tirza offers to just take Grawl's shift. Yeah. I got a good night's sleep. I can take another level one exhaustion. She doesn't say that because that wouldn't make (laughs) any sense. Yeah, yeah. You're the crazy person. But she's also really, uh, uh, actually, I think this is what she says. I'm... I don't know that I'll be able to sleep very well anyway. I might as well just take Okay, if you're sure. I am. Tirza, from your shoulders you feel a sense of both pride and worry from Sadagar. There's a definite sense of the old man thinks you're doing the right thing, but is definitely worried about your safety. Uh, and I think she just pulls pulls the cloak a little closer around her neck and shoulders. Okay. So, Grawl. Hmm. You attempt to go to sleep? Yeah. Okay. With the sword? Uh... Yeah, I tucked the sword in into Sid's spot. His, his bedroll. <laughs> Wait, Sid so doesn't... Oh, yeah, because there's only two people sleeping in his yeah. bed. So, so you resummon the sword, I take it, then? Yeah, not into my hand, though. I'm just kind of just, like, like point at it. Like, well, when you initially summon it, it has to be into your hand. Okay, that's fine. All right, I'll summon it, and then we'll just throw it down. Coalesces out of green and brown light. And you do that in the tent, not outside? Yeah, in the tent. Okay, okay I'm just asking. <laughs> I mean, you guys have seen me do Cuts the tent in half. <laughs> the, the tent explodes. <laughs> so just to set the scene here, Grawl, you climb inside this two-person tent, mm-hmm. clambering on top of a double set of bedrolls to add a little bit of comfort. You just lay the sword horizontally down on the ground, just to the side of you. 
Mm, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna turn my back to it though. All right. I'm mad at my sword. <laughs> okay. This relationship's not working out at the moment. You gotta fight. So s staring away from the gray-bladed great sword, because I'm assuming that's the form in which you summoned it. Yeah. You roll over and a little apprehensive of what may follow, you close your eyes and attempt to find sleep. Sid, you have the first watch. Mm. Your eyes are constantly drawn over to the tent you had so previously shared with Grawl. You're uncertain of what is supposed to happen, but your watch passes uneventfully. There is a mm. bitter cold in the air. You can smell the moisture. There's probably going to be snow sometime soon, if not rain. You're not sure which. Fun. But other than that, your watch passes uneventfully. Okay. Who's, Cherish. Uh, who, mm -hmm. Is next? Yep. Your watch also goes on almost without a hitch. Though near the end of it, you notice the soft white flakes beginning to fall from the sky. They sizzle slightly as they touch the fire. Is this normal? Snow? During winter? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, right, we were up in that place, Crescent's Edge, and it was like, oh man, this is unseasonably cold. Like, yeah, and I don't know. Who who knows? Like up north, they may have already been getting this snow. It's tough to oh, say. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting I'm from a desert. Yeah, and once you get down into the drylands, it's probably not snowing there. But <laughs> yeah, really got nice seventy five degrees. I don't know if it's. I mean, the desert still gets hecka cold. The desert gets well at in night. Fact, the, the desert gets incredibly cold <laughs> at night. So let's see. If there's only three of you taking watch, are you still are you splitting the watches evenly, or does Tirza just taking Grawl's watch? No, I'm just gonna take Grawl's watch. Well, okay. I guess that's the question because if we're watch. splitting them, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, that's the question. If we split it up evenly, are we all gonna be exhausted, or we even know that's, that? That's what I'm worried about, and that's, I mean. Uh, character-wise, Tears is just fucking freaked out and worried, and yeah. also Olivia is like, it's better for one of us to be tired rather than all three of us. Yeah, I just my my question is, would we be like have the wherewithal to be like, oh, if we split these up evenly, all of us will be exhausted, so only one of us should be. Yeah, and I'm just saying I'm a obnoxious martyr paladin, so... Okay. Oh, you know what? You know what? That is the, that's a perfectly adequate answer. <laughs> I'll say this much. If each of you took one-third of the watch as opposed to a quarter... 
you would only be getting roughly five and a half hours of sleep, which Mm -hmm. you can function on. It's not particularly nice if you're not used to it, but is perfectly capable of not getting a level of exhaustion. If you continued to do that for a length of time, it'll start to wear on you. But at least for the first night, it won't necessarily destroy you. Yeah. That being said, Tears is sort of unilaterally said, I'm just going to take the back half of the watch. Tears is an annoying martyr character, so. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Cherish, besides the snow, your watch passes uneventfully. Yeah. She definitely fights the urge to, like, peek into the tent and look at the sword. Yeah. I don't think she does it, but I think she, like, definitely, like, hits that tennis ball back and forth, like, a couple of times. Okay. But it is... The deadest of night when you go to wake tears up. I'm just thinking about this, you guys. Uh, completely out of out of the story, but it's probably a bad idea that I'm taking the darkest watch because I cannot see in the dark. Oh, Don't worry really about it. We point. haven't figured it out so far. This is completely out of character. Tears is awake now. Yeah. And Tirza, you still have, like, m- some firelight. Yeah, there was exactly. There was star and moonlight up till this point. Now there isn't so much of that. So tonight of all nights is actually much darker. And you're beginning to realize, oh, maybe I should have some kind of light source or keep the fire more stoked. And I'll, I'll do that. I'll keep it at a... Instead of letting it burn down, I'll keep it, you know... I don't know, I'm not a Boy Scout. Fairly, <laughs> Fairly well stoked. Well stoked, okay. You're not setting it to blaze, but you're definitely like a log every hour or so. Yeah. God, I want to go camping. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, about half an hour before I would go wake Grawl. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually probably closer to the time that I would actually go wake Grawl. Um, Tirza does go and check on him. Okay. Grawl? Yeah. You dream of dark shelves that you cannot see. You dream of flagstones beneath your feet. You dream of the smell of dried parchment and an echoing silence that is profound and absolute. There's an emptiness here that you've never felt before. Always when you've come to this place you've felt that presence, that creature Mott, whatever it is. It has always been there with you. Guiding you in some way. Now, it is... Empty. And you are alone. Okay. What do you do? Um... It's it's not the 
it's not the one thing where I can't see anything. I can see the shelves. No. Always before, there was some guiding presence that led you forward. Mm -hmm. Now you're blind and alone. Mm -hmm. Great. Um... Uh, even. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I straight up don't know what to do. Do you do nothing then? Crawl simply stands in the empty quiet of this place, smothered you know by the silence. You know, Crawl's just gonna have a seat and just like sit and like not he's kind of going to attempt to meditate a little bit okay give me a arcana check at disadvantage oh that's great so uh, six. Okay. You feel that unnerving silence. It's the kind of silence where, if you listen long enough, you think there's a dull roar. It's the sound you hear when you put your ear to a shell, or in some deep, dark cave, where there is no sound, but your ears are still producing this low bass abstraction of noise really what it is the sound of your blood rushing in your ears mm. Tirza as you open the flap I need you to give me a perception check Five. The only light being cast is that of the campfire, and it is coming in from behind you, but at a, a, an obscure angle, so you can't really see in the darkness. You see the lumpy form of Grawl over on the bedrolls, almost relieved you see that he is silent, almost too silent, though. There's a deathly stillness to this place, but in that stillness, for half a second, you blink in the flickering firelight, and there is a creature crouched over Grawl's prone body. Whoa. Something hunched and covered in a brown shroud. You blink, and it's gone, and there's only the shape of the sword next to his lying body, but for half a second, you thought you saw a pair of huge green luminous eyes. Now all you see is the dull, very slight green glow of runes etched on the sword. But the sword is permanent. It is not some writhing thing on the ground. 
okay. Um, <laughs> it was that was that shape was only there for a second. Yeah, you must be more tired than you thought. Um, instead of, uh, using my divine sense, mm -hmm. I'm going to cast Detect Evil and Good, which includes Aberrations, Celestials, Element, Faith, Undead. Okay, okay. Um, let me look up that spell real quick. It's detect evil and good, yes? Mm-hmm. I've been holding on to this all day. Uh-huh. Okay, okay, okay. So... You open your mind with this spell, saying a brief prayer to Shaman uh, the Wise. I was going to say, I think she has the um, the amulet, and it's like out, and uh, it's in the same hand that she's holding, that she holds her shield with. And her shield is out as well. And both begin to glow with a soft gray light that fills the space. Inside the tent, you can see Grawl's body, now very clearly in this light, is just in a rictus, almost stiff as a board, laying. His eyes are closed, but his jaw is clearly clenched in some kind of pain. You detect no aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey fiends, or undead within this tent. But you do detect something directly behind you. Oh, no. Yeah, I... Um, it's, like, directly behind me? Directly behind you. Yep. I whip around and I try to get it with my javelin. Uh, mm, mm, uh... I don't actually think, like, she's on watch, so it's actually probably her Warhammer. Okay. You swing around with the Warhammer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. Fuck. I can still sense that it's there is something now in front of me. Every fiber of your divine sense is telling you there's something directly in front of you, but you swing with your Warhammer, and it's just cleaving through the cold night air, snow falling around you. Uh, um... Okay. Um God, okay. Um Grawl, you sit in silence. Give me a perception check at disadvantage. Okay, okay, okay. That's a good roll. While Tirza decides what to do next. Do I... That is a 20. Dirty 20. 
Somewhere in the echoing halls of this place, you hear the light of footsteps. Can I detect a, like a, a direction? It's coming from somewhere behind you. Okay. I guess I'll stand up and turn towards it. Okay. Curious, Mike. When was the last time I stabbed something? Not meaty. Something bookish. That would have been a great long time ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that cultist you slew in Crescent's Edge? Okay. All right. Tirza, what are you doing? God, um, you didn't give me enough time. Uh, I... Sorry? We can go back to Grawl if you want. Grawl, their footsteps are coming from somewhere distant. It's ahead of you now. Slow pet, pet, pet. You can't tell if it's getting closer or farther away. But it's a sound, at least, in this okay. overwhelming silence. I'll make my way towards it. Okay. You stumble drunkenly forward. It seems as though the exhaustion of your body has carried into this place. Occasionally you'll almost run headfirst into... It feels like a shelf. You can tell now. You're you're placing your hands on it, sort of feeling out. Always before, you were drawn forward by the figure of Mott. It drew you forward without having to stumble into the furniture that you can't... that you can always feel, but not touch. But now you're touching it, your hands groping along their bookshelves. They're clearly bookshelves. You're touching the spines of moldering tomes, some fresh, some old, along the edge of this shelf. You stumble into it, a shoulder cracking against wood, and you slowly try to pat your way forward as though a blind person stumbling in darkness. The sound of your own footfalls and shuffling is now almost too loud. You have to stop every once in a while to just reallocate the sound. You're getting closer, you can tell. Tirza? Uh, when I did detect good and evil, can I tell what type that is or no? It is an aberration. Whatever it is. Well, that means, friends friends and family, that it must die on my blade. <laughs> I cast Divine Favor, and I strike again. There's nothing there. You're swinging through <gasps> empty air. What the hell? Your hammer is glowing with gray-blue light and swimming through nothing. I, sh I, well, I'm shouting now to wake everyone up. Grawl, echoing somewhere in the shelves as you stop, you hear the footsteps again, and along with it you hear a slight <laughs> that won't get her anywhere. <laughs> Tirza is shouting for everyone to wake up. Um, 
Sid, Cherish. Yeah. Yeah. You rolling out of bed. You kind of like clonk noggins as you as you roll yeah. into oh, each God. other. Oh, God, you're a horn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're there. Yeah. I don't know how you sleep on those every single night. Right. I sleep right. on my back. Anyway. Right. This is not the time for this conversation. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just very tired. Tirza is yeah. shouting, and you stumble out of the tent. You see Tirza armed for bear, lit only by a, a dim, low fire. Snow is now coming down in earnest, and she is swinging at nothing in the air. Tirza, what are you doing? Uh, God, how do I say this without sounding like a crazy person? There is an aberration here. And yeah. I'm going to kill it! <laughs> You're swinging at the air. Um. Do you see something? I can Me? feel it. You feel it? Yeah, what? I mean, again, right? Like, magic and weird things exist in this universe, so it'd be dumb for me to be like, you're just crazy. Right, but like, yeah. But also, like, if... You're, the thing you're doing is not accomplishing the goal that you are trying to achieve. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think she's swinging anymore, but her her uh, Warhammer is lit up. Um, Sid, Cherish, are you doing anything? Uh... I mean, like, so she's right outside of Grawl's tent. So, mm -hmm. so Cherish's next thing is like, is Grawl okay? He's is the sword doing the thing again. Something's affecting him. No, it's not that. It's something else. What do you want? There's no response. I know there's not, but it's... <laughs> Should we wake him up? Um... God, you guys, I'm gonna try a thing, and I don't think it's gonna help, but... I'm gonna channel divinity and turn the unclean. I know. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry bud. What's the DC? Uh oh, it's oh, it is fiend. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. Uh huh. Yeah, it super is. What is that? Oh, mean? I thought it was just aberration. No dog. Oh. No dog. Remember, oh, right, we were looking we at that. We talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the DC is, is thirteen. <laughs> it's a wisdom. It's a wisdom. It's, it's a wisdom. wisdom. Oh. Okay. Okay. So yes, turn the unclean is an oath of thunder ability. As an action, oh you present God. your holy symbol and utter a war cry using your channel divinity. Each aberration or fiend within thirty feet of you that you can see or hear must make a successful wisdom saving throw or be turned for one minute or until it takes damage. Oh God! Uh, it's not even work because I can't hear it or or see it. I'm so mad. Whereas I immediately turn around and just start booking it. Did, did you uh, fail the save? Oh, I super did. <laughs> Can I? Do, well, I don't know. I don't know if Sid would know it's happening. Oh so God. what you see is okay. Like, actually, one, one one moment. I'm sorry, I misread yeah. this bit. Each aberration or feed within thirty feet 
of you that can see or hear you must make a successful uh, listen. So okay. for Cherish, it doesn't necessarily change anything, but yeah. m- might change some other factors. So right. what was the last thing that was said out loud? Whatever Cherish's or whatever uh, Tears's war cry is. Oh yeah. What what is the war cry that accompanies your turn? Um. Oh, you know what it is, and it's probably gross uh, because we've had such a bad experience with this name. But it is an oath to Ozzy Tahaka <laughs> to bring wrath and destruction. <laughs> so, so Tirza says, "What do you want?" Then yells out this oath to Ozzy Tahaka about vengeance and destruction. Cherish books it. Just starts running. Uh, what the? Uh, I where? Where are you going? And I, I start chasing after. I gotta go. What is like? What is what? What is the the? Am I afraid? Is the, is it the fear con- like condition? You are full of a unstoppable compulsion to flee from something that would otherwise unmake you. Okay. Every fiber of your being is telling you that the wrath that will come down from this previously small young paladin will unmake the very foundations of your soul. So that (laughs) some lizard brain piece of you is just, nope, need to just leave. Yeah. At best speed. Probably the actual lizard part of my brain. <laughs> just like, oh no, I gotta go. I can't be here. So I just run for a full 60 seconds. Yeah. Tirza, mm-hmm. you fear that aberrant presence flee as well. It just speeds away in the opposite direction of you, vanishing really, really quickly outside of your radius of awareness. Grawl. In those empty, vacuous stacks, you hear a voice say, Damnation! Can I, it, does it, is it like detectably closer than it was before when I was making my way towards it? Much closer. I'm going to chase after it. And you shuffle forward. Are you attempting to be stealthy or are you just moving forward at best speed? Uh, best speed. Okay. You. Girl's not about subtlety. <laughs> You come around to the end of one of these long shelves. You feel it ending, and you can tell that the sounds are coming from around a corner. Again, you can't see anything. It's just darkness in here. You're moving about by touch alone, and the sounds that you're following. You turn a hard left into an empty space, the walls around you giving away to just open air. And as you do, 
a voice from somewhere ahead of you says, Well, I suppose the jig is up then, eh? Oh, I'm going to kill you. You're certainly going to try. Nope, I'm going to kill you. It, it may not be today. may not be tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm going to kill you. And it's going to feel good. I can touch your mind from a world away. What possible hope do you have? You're a pretender. A wretch. A parasite. You have no place here. Whatever you try, you will fail. Says the little man hiding far away from danger. Mm. I am not some rough barbarian who needs strike at my foe with my bare hands. Mm. Bet you couldn't even hit me. Indeed. Grawl, give me a wisdom saving throw. Mm, that's not great. Uh, oh. Is this still a disadvantage? Uh, not the saving throws, not yet. Okay, okay. Can... Uh, there it is. Oh, okay. I... It's a 12. Yes, Tirza? I was gonna say, can I, can I cast a thing? Uh, can I cast protection from evil and good on Grawl? <laughs> I don't know that it'll do anything, but I want to help. When would you have done this? Because Cherish is still fleeing. Yeah, I'm still just... I'm, unfortunately... I, I love you, Cherish, but there are more pressing matters. Um... Yeah, I mean that. So right, those were the spells that I had. I had detect evil and good and protection from evil and good because I had a feeling that a <laughs> scenario like this would happen. Um, but I also so the the aberration feeling feels like it has fled from you. Yes. Just kidding, then. Okay. I don't know that she would know to cast it. I'm sorry, Reed. I tried. Grawl, what was your saving throw? It was a 12. Okay. Whispers of failure of your own voice telling you that nothing is ever good going to happen for Grawl, the the whispers of all the warlords who rejected you, the, the whispers of those you can always hear just outside your periphery whenever you're in a town, marking your presence, being swirling about your head. You take 11 psychic damage. Oh. And you flee backwards into the stacks the echoing laughter 
of Phineas Finebrook bouncing through the shelves behind you. Blindly, you run through the empty world around you, running into shelves, feeling your way blindly, scrabbling through the darkness. That laughter following you the whole while. When you finally come to yourself, all that remains is the echoes and the dark world around you. Cherish, eventually you come back to camp. Uh, Sid, you were able to catch up with Cherish really, really quickly, yeah. but she was compelled to flee. There was no stopping her, unless you wanted to yeah. do so by physical force. Um, I... Well, I think I'm trying to like talk to her at first, like what what what's happening, um, and then as soon as that doesn't work, I think I figure that something is up and I try and stop her. Okay, there's this rough struggling moment as Sid braces Cherish. Cherish, you feel every fiber of your body. You need to run. You need to flee. You need to get away from that burning silver and blue light that is just filling all of your senses coming from the camp behind. There is some terrible thing to unmake you back there and you need to flee from it. Eventually you are brought to the ground being held by Sid as you struggle against him. Sid, you hold Cherish firm as she just keeps trying to wrench and get away from whatever it is she's fleeing from. But for the next... 20 seconds you hold her fast until the compulsion ends um and i'm just repeating like like everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be fine um and cherish for... through this is like as the the minute that sid like tried to start stopping her she just busted into tears and is like babbling incoherently yeah. throughout this whole process yeah, Sid feels a little uncomfortable right now, but it's probably what it was like wrestling me as a leopard, so. It's a, it's a good sentiment. It's a good sentiment. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Tears are what are you doing back at camp? Uh, I am... I don't have any more points of lay on hands trying to make Grawl he is clearly bleeding again I assume yes yeah um actually can I no what I said before was true I have healing power but I don't actually know how healing works it's pats <clears throat> okay grawl in the darkness, you feel warm hands. They're holding you, trying to keep you safe in some way. How much good they're doing, you can't be sure, but you feel that they're trying to keep you safe in this place that you don't understand, that you can't navigate, that you don't even want to be in. 
Am I that... still hearing the echoing laughter? No, it's faded now. There's nothing but okay. silence again. Um, we're all going to sit down again. Okay. He's going to think. About what? Um... He's going to think about, um, you know what? Screw Phineas Finebrook. Hell I already yeah. done some cool stuff. Has Phineas Finebrook killed a, a, a Skanewitch? I think not. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm thinking about all the cool stuff we've done. So, yeah. Grawl remembers the trials. Facing down the cult-branded fire giant. Yeah! That was awesome. <laughs> Fighting the Kotoa priests at the top of the Crescent Isle. Facing down the Skane Witch hovering over the world. You remember earlier times, trekking through the undead-ridden halls of the Dockmoor in order to find the Deck of Many Things. Hunting the cultist in Crescent's Edge. Killing him. Claiming his power. You remember resting yourself free from those weird cult auctioneers who were attempting to sell you into the great game. Most of all, you remember the Plateau. A skinny wretch, cast out by everyone and everything. Hearing a hum, a whine, a call. You've heard people describe how a forge-bonded item calls out to those who they are destined to be with. And you'd felt that call and were denied it. So hearing this strange dissonant song echoing out through the deserts. You didn't know what to make of it, but you leapt at it the first chance you had. You found your way to the top of a plateau, and it was there that you found a sword planted among the moldering ruins of books. You took up that sword, and when you wandered back out of the drylands, you were changed. To what end, you still don't know. What you do know is that you have survived far worse than some stuffy-ass doctor who likes to mess with people's brains from half the world away. You've survived fire, you've survived water, and you've survived creatures the likes of which would break his feeble little mind. You air guitar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then to uh, cue the um, the like normal anime trope, I also have friends. 
So, yeah. You remember Cherish and Tirza? Even Sid, sometimes. <laughs> he bought his way into this group. <laughs> Who's money? You'll never know. Yeah, that's fine. And as you sit there in the darkness contemplating all of this, you let out a sigh of relief. Outside in the tent, Tirza, you see Grawl's body going limp. Not out of defeat or out of sudden death, but out of just a, a sigh of... <sighs> and the body sort of go loses its tension. And by the time Cherish and Sid wander back to camp, Grawl is snoring loudly. Did it work? Yeah, Cherish is like, is he okay? I... I think so. Do you know are, what... Are you okay? Um... I don't know. Uh, I know that that yeah, that was Tirza that did that. Glancing now at Tirza, <sighs> you've been taken aback the last few days over the fact that your friend, who you were always slightly older than, now appears older than you, more grown up, more adult. Now there is a small little singing thread of fear attached to that change. Yeah. It, like, because we've had a couple of conversations that have, that Cherish has kind of been like, oh, you know, we come from different backgrounds and different belief systems but at the end of the day she's still my best friend but now like those like the conversation about Ozzy Dehaka after the first cultist and uh like the f her being weird about fiendish stuff is like definitely in a different light now yeah Sid, what are you doing while this is going on? Well, they... Um... They have a brief discussion about the fact that it was, in fact, Tirza that caused um, Cherish to turn. I think that, like, Sid's a little bit shaken about, and honestly a little out of breath, having to chase Cherish down and, like, basically, like, hold her in place until she... Like calms down. That's mm -hmm. that's a little it's a little traumatic because um, she's like screaming and crying. Um, yeah, she was. Yeah, and he couldn't help but feel bad. Um, and then he thinks back onto the first trial where it was him 
sort of in that situation and how for a brief second that that creature convinced him that like cherish was like somehow evil and that he actually thought that way for a second and then she stuck with him anyways and he he wants to he's never thanked her and he wants to but he he stops himself okay yeah you walk off a few paces sort of staring out into the night dawn is approaching soon but you still have hours of darkness left as you do storm piercer doesn't say anything but you there's a sense of just like unspoken words from the sword you're not sure what its intention is but there's just a, a slight it's that intake of breath when you know someone's holding back words but unable to say them yeah hmm. Grawl in the library or whatever it is you're in a soft green glow appears down the aisle two luminous orbs appear do I recognize them oh yes as like the the usual patron the eyes of Mott stare at you, unblinking. Oh. Friend of yours? No. That one is an enemy. To us both. Yeah, I can see that. How do we beat him? I require knowledge, Kral. With that, I may grant you power. Your power may slay their servant. Well, nothing new there. All right. Exits that way. There is no exit from the archive grawl yeah yeah well i gotta go figure out how to kill him because that's my number one right now and the eyes are slowly getting closer and closer the hunched figure of mott seeming to move without sound or locomotion of any kind 
its brown, tattered cloak falling about its hunched form. The light of its eyes is bright now around you. For the first time, you can see the floor upon which you stand once this thing is within five feet. Glancing to either side, you can see the shelves of this place, full of books, scrolls, tablets. Strange, glowing pads of light with writing scrolling across them. Odd little tubes that seem to have shimmers of light coming up from them that display characters that are unfamiliar to you. Tablets of dark glass and polished steel, the likes of which you've never seen. You stare at all of these things, some of them mundane, some of them wondrous. You look around, the shelves seem to extend in every direction. You look up, they seem to just ascend into the sky. There's no ceiling to this place, it's just shelves forever in every direction. Full of information, full of lore. As the creature Mott comes close, it says, I am not the master of this place, Kral. I am its prisoner. Who's the master then? The one you seek to destroy serves them. Together, we may unburden ourselves of their unwanted attentions. So I can, how far, like, around can I see? Probably like, no farther than about ten feet. Okay. And then dim light past that. What would happen if I went for one of the books? Grab one of the books off the shelf? Yeah. Okay. What is it a book about? It is a book. <laughs> it is a it is a it is a kid's fairy tale book. It is a fighting dragons. It is a children's fairy tale book about fighting dragons. Mm -hmm. In it there is a small child which has to fight a dragon made of starlight that is attempting to swallow the night. As you read this book, Mott stands nearby, silent, watching. There's a sense of satisfaction you gain from reading this book. And when you awake in the morning, you remember every detail that you read.
Okay. That's cool. Mm hmm. Did it. Do I wake up feeling rested at all? You've lowered your level of exhaustion by one, so okay. your speed is no longer halved. It will take another day okay. to recover fully. Okay. The next day of travel is unremarkable. The following night as well. There are no more disturbances as you make your way to Wickmore's Landing. <sighs> And it is on the eighth day of the month of shade that you see the telltale lampposts of oh. Wickmore's Landing with their nice. strange living wicks. The boys. Gross. By then you have all achieved more and more rest coming back up to your full strength before you reach the city proper. Two days after the events on the night of the third day of Shade, Tirza, you were taking your watch as normal, mm -hmm. unable to shake the feeling that you are still being watched. You opened your detective sight of good and evil. You felt that aberrant presence yet again. But as soon as you do, it flees back into the darkness. Hell yeah. It seems as though Dr. Finebrook is still keeping an eye on things. I raise my middle finger to it. No, no. Um. Okay. As you reach Wickmore's Landing, the next stage of your journey ahead of you, a descent into the drylands soon to follow. I think it is there that we will end. Because you have survived the first probing attempt at Dr. Phineas Finebrook to break Grawl's mind. Good. God, I hate that guy. Yeah! Now yeah, I you hate him? him? Now I hate him. Because, of course, you can find us on Twitter, at MattComRPG. That's spelled M-A-T-C-O-M-R-P-G. We also have an email address, which is MaterialComponentsRPG at gmail.com. We always love hearing from all of our listeners. Please, let me think. Let me know what you think is going on with Grawl, because I'd love to hear some theories. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> I oh, just got boy. a text from the people that uh, I yeah nice yeah. I have a place to live I am <laughs> not homeless Hooray! excellent uh, yeah good end of the episode yeah. um, and you can find me on Twitter at Elliot C. Lewis um, what are your suggestions for what I should ask Dr. Phineas Finebrook with the silver message <laughs> uh, feather because I want to get that over with like ASAP yeah. Like, can he like, go fuck himself? God. I was literally just about to say, what is the the most you can fuck yourself? Yeah. <laughs> go do that. Go do that. I'll just... 
the question I'm going to ask if nobody gives a better suggestion is, can you go eat your own dick? <laughs> you horrid man. That's my question. Yeah, that works. Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Um, come hang out with me. I'm at Crowd Olivia on Twitter. Uh, tell me how to stop being mean to my friend. Because <laughs> the best idea I have right now is like, we just put candle wax in her ears and have her cover her eyes. I do paladin stuff. I don't know. <laughs> just, oh. Um, if you want to talk to me on Twitter or Instagram about how much you hate stupid little other warlocks and how in miscellaneous ways you want to see them dead, um, you can find me there uh, at the Redimus. Um, yeah, just just share your disdain for. Dr. Phineas Butthead. I don't know. I hate him. All my loathing. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to get a hold of me directly, you can't. I'm sorry. Um, but <laughs> you can rate us on iTunes or Stitcher Premium or anywhere that you listen to podcasts and just let us know what you think. Um, or specifically what you think of Phineas Finebrook and how much that he needs to be uh, uh, lit on fire. I don't know. Um, could be more on fire. He could be more on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please do that. Just so you know, it's it's nice. Just nice hearing from you guys, and uh, it's nice to uh, know that people are enjoying the show. So indeed. Yeah. And of course, you can come shout at me on Twitter if you want to do so, because I am, in fact, Dr. Phineas Finebrook. <laughs> no, you're not. He is the, you are the vessel which he is speaking his horrible tongues through. <laughs> not but, your fault. We will, you will be rid of him soon, Mike. There will be an exorcism. <laughs> but if you wish to do so, you can find me personally on Twitter at Matt or at MK Gorgoni. Um, and of course, if you wish to follow Omatep, you can do so over at NPC underscore AN, because even when he is not in the episode proper, he is of course an important NPC, far more important than Dr. Phineas Finebrook, to be sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think that is going to do it for this episode of Material Components. As always, the world is chaos, so please be kind to one another. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.